Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. I'm going to read out Psalm 40 and um, just hear the words of God as he speaks to us through this psalm. I waited a long time for the eternal, the Lord God Almighty. I waited a long time. He finally knelt down to hear me. He listened to my weak and whispered cry. He reached down and drew me. He drew me from the dark, deep hole where I was stranded mired in the muck and in the clay. With a gentle hand, he pulled me out. He set me down safely on a warm and stable rock. He held me until I was steady enough to continue the journey again. And as if that was not enough, because of him, my mind is clearing up. Now I have a new song to sing, a song of praise to the one who saved me. Because of what he has done, many people will see and come to trust in the eternal, our God. Surely those who trust the eternal, who do not trust the proud, powerful people, or in people who care little for reality, chasing false gods, and false ways. Surely those who trust in the Lord are happy as I have become. Lord, you have done so many wonderful things, had so many tender thoughts towards us, eternal my God. They go on and on, ever increasing. Who can compare with you? Sacrifices and offerings are not what you want. But you've opened my ears and now I understand. Burnt offerings and sin offerings are not what please you. So I said, see, I have come to do your will as it is inscribed of me in your word. I'm pleased to live how you want, my God. Your law is written into my heart and written into my soul. I have encouraged your people with the message of righteousness in your great assembly. I haven't kept quiet about these things. You know this, eternal one, my God. I've not kept your righteousness to myself, sealed up in the secret places of my heart. Instead, I boldly tell others how you save me and how loyal you are. I haven't been shy to talk about your love, nor have I been afraid to tell your truth before the assembly of your people. Please, Eternal One, my God, don't hold back. Don't hold back your kind ways from me. I need, I need, I need your strong love and truth to stand watch over me and keep me from harm. Right now, I can't see much. I can't see because I'm surrounded by troubles. My sins and shortcomings have caught up to me, so I am swimming in darkness. 
Like the hairs on my head, there are too many to count, so my heart deserts me. O Eternal One, my God, please rescue me. O Eternal One, my God, hurry, I need your help. May those who are trying to destroy me be humiliated and ashamed instead. May those who want to ruin my reputation be cut off and embarrassed. May those who try to catch me off guard, those who look at me and say, Aha, we've trapped you. May they be caught in their own shame instead. May all who look to you discover true joy and happiness in you. May those who cherish how you save them always say, O Eternal One, our God, you are great and are first in our hearts. Meanwhile, I am empty and I need need much. I need so much. But I know the Lord is thinking of me. You are my help. Only you can save me. My true God, please hurry. Father, as we dive into your word this morning, and as we hear the words of the psalmist who cries out in help, please hurry. I know there are some of us here who may echo those very same words. I pray that your word speaks to us this morning, Lord. Convict us and challenge us, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How powerful can the Psalms be, huh? Well, this morning we're touching on Psalm 40. And it's, it's really quite, quite an interesting psalm. Because in my mind, Psalm 40 is almost like a uh, collection of everything that's happened up until that point in Psalms. So from Psalm 1 all the way up to Psalm 39, Psalm 40 has a way of kind of just kind of bringing that all together. Um, we saw in the first week in Psalm 1, here we read, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with uh, sinners or join in with mockers. And then Psalm 40 almost repeats that by saying, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or those who worship idols. And then we saw in Psalm 8, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you would care for them? And Psalm 40 mimics that again by saying, Oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. Then a couple of weeks ago, we touched on Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And again, Psalm 40, let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me, for troubles surround me. And then last week in Psalm 32, But unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy. All all you whose hearts are pure. And Psalm 40 again. But may all you who search for you will be filled with joy and gladness in you. 
May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, the Lord is great. And I thought I'd throw in another psalm just to kind of give you an idea of how much Psalm 40 encapsulates the first 39 psalms. In 37, Psalm 37, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. In Psalm 40, he set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me, steadied me as I walk along. That's Psalm 40. And that's what we're touching on today. Now, we saw in the first week with Psalm 1, you know, if I could give you a word to, to kind of encapsulate all of Psalm 1, that word would be foundation. It's the foundation of our relationship in God. And then we touched on Psalm 8, and that talked about creation. And creation, who, how God created us and how special we are in His sight. Psalm 23, the following week, we talked about trust. Who here deals so well with trust? Yeah, it's not an easy thing. We'll be touching a bit more on that today. But Psalm 23, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. I trust you to protect me and watch over me. Psalm 23. Psalm 32 last week, the great forgiveness psalm. That God, blessed are those whose sins are forgiven whose transgressions are taken away and are covered. The great forgiveness psalm. Psalm 40. Oh, isn't that a beautiful word? We thought trust was difficult. Who here has patience? Yeah. We think we do. (laughs) Patience. Now, not an easy thing to talk about, to be honest, especially since I tend to be highly impatient. Um, but in December of 1991, I was in a military prison in Perugia. Perugia is a small town in Italy, made famous recently because of a young British girl that was murdered there by an American and an Italian and all sorts of things going on there at the moment. But I was in a prison. And that was the culmination of four years from when my dad died to that point. And obviously, I had not done much or very well with my life to find myself in prison. I have the scars still on my knuckles for the reason for me being in that prison. And I'm pretty sure that if I ever met my commanding officer again, he'd be running if he saw me. Nothing that I'm actually very proud about. But something I began learning in prison was, who am I? Why am I here? I don't trust anyone anymore. I don't know who to listen to. And I have no patience anymore. And I, little did I realize from that point, God began a work in me. God began to work in me. And you know what? That key word, patience. Because you know what? When you're in prison, what can you do? Break out. Break out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's an impatient lad right there. <laughs> when you're in prison, believe me, there is not much you can do. Okay? It's boring. And Italian prisons are worse. At least here in New Zealand, you get a TV and you get a few little things. And No, military prison, you've got a cold cell and that's about as far as it, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. You learn to be patient. And so I kind of thought, what do I do? 
Because patience in our mind is putting up with people, right? I have to be patient to put up with people. My kids are driving me crazy. My spouse is driving me crazy. I'm in traffic. But that's not the patience God is talking about. Patience is a lot deeper than just waiting on things or, or, or putting up with things. First thing in Psalm 40 that we read is this. Patience begins with trust. Patience begins with trust. Remember that word, okay? These are two words that really ruin our lives. We have very little patience and not a lot of trust. But you open up straight away with Psalm 40. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. Patience begins with trust. It's interesting about this psalm, okay? A lot of people like to turn things into an evangelistic tool. This is evangelism for a way for us to get to John 3.16, to to introduce Christ to people. This psalm is not about that. This psalm is specifically about your relationship with God. The thing is, the challenge is, how is your relationship with God? with God. I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, when we're in trouble, we tend to react. And our natural human reaction is to do something, isn't it? You know, when you, it's interesting. Uh, there was a report out in, in, I think it was in Brazil, where I think that's like the highest number of people die in quicksand in Brazil. I go figure, and yes, I do have a lot of time on my hands, so I go looking for this kind of information. But and and the report said along the lines of um, they don't understand when everybody knows when you fall into quicksand, just stand still, don't fight it. But yet they still fight it. Why? And the report started to say there needs to be better education. This and this and that. Well, I'll tell you why we keep fighting it because it's our natural human instinct to fight it. Anyone could tell me, stop, don't move. How does that work? How if you were standing in quicksand and you're so slowly going down, what is your natural instinct to do? Oh, I can get out of this one. You just watch me. I'm going to walk on water right now. It doesn't happen. The more you struggle, the quicker you go down. So it goes completely against our instinct. If you're caught in a rip... You're out in the ocean, you're swimming, you're caught in a rip. What is your natural tendency to do? Swim against it, right? Are you supposed to do that? No. But in the moment, your thought is, I can do this. It's the same when we find ourselves in trouble. Our initial instinct, our initial thing, got to fix it. Got to get it right. I can do this. Who's an I-can-do-this person? Who's brave enough to put their hand up and say, I'm an I-can-do-this person? Come on. At the end of the day, when it comes to it, when there is a crisis, when there is a trouble, when there is a problem, our natural instincts click on and we jump to it. When I was sitting in prison, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. 
We've got one of our people, Vince, who's in prison now. And I can understand how he feels because he feels the injustice. He wants to speak out. He wants to go and plead his case. And you know, when you're in prison, the worst thing about it is there's no one to listen to you. You can't plead your case. There's just four walls or three walls and bars. Be patient. Don't let your natural instincts overtake you. Seek the Lord first. Patience begins with trust. Do you trust God? Now, this is the difficult part. How, Rob, do I trust God? Can anyone answer that? How do I trust God? It's it's a tough question. But you trust the guy who tells you don't, don't struggle when you're in quicksand. Anyone here been in quicksand? I'd be really impressed if you have because I'd love to know about it. But no no one's been in quicksand. So how do you know that I shouldn't struggle in quicksand if you've never been in it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We know this because we're told this is the way it is. Well, let me tell you, how do I trust God? Just, just let it go. I mean, it may not make sense to you. It may not be your natural instinct. But trusting God means just stepping back, understanding that you, you, you don't have it all. You, you, you don't have the power to change this world. And frankly, you don't have the power to change yourself. God has that power. Trust him. Wait on him. Wait on him. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned and he heard me. This is how important trust is. Okay? Just in Psalms alone, and this is just Rob last night while the youth were upstairs in my house watching a movie, I thought I'd just do a quick search on how many times trust appears in Psalms. I stopped after a while. Do you think that Psalms is talking about something here? How many times the Psalm? That's just one book in the Bible that tells you to trust God. Trust Him. So Psalms seems to be making a point here. Psalm 23, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Psalm 31, 14, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. If I acknowledge you as God, what does that mean I acknowledge? What does it mean to be God? Or powerful, holy, whole lot bigger than me. What else? Faithful. Trustworthy. These are pretty cool words. If you're my God, I trust in you. Because I acknowledge you as God. God. Okay, so patience begins with trust. But patience is also understanding direction. Understanding direction. Now, this might kind of come out of left field. What do you mean by this, Rob? Let's go back to Psalm. It says, He sets my feet on solid ground and He steadied me as I walked along. 
Now you noticed that this guy doesn't seem to have stopped walking. He's still been walking, right? In other words, he's still been kind of journeying in his life. As I walked along, what did God do? He steadied me. Sometimes we have the opposite problem. You know, for those of us who are the big fixer-uppers, we can get this. Some of us kind of freeze when trouble hits us. Kind of like deer in a headlight, right? They see the headlights and they stop. But here God kind of makes this point. He steadied me as I walked along. And this walking is really important because there's a lot in the Bible that says not just about trust, but about walking. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Psalm 37.23 The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. There's more walking. I was going to do a study last night of how many times you know steps and walking appears in the Bible, but then I stopped because it was getting late. So. Um, but I imagine there'd be quite a lot. Uh, I'm going to say something a little different. Just imagine, just imagine you, you yourself, and that who you are, your whole life, is a room. Okay, just picture your room is you. Now, what's in this room? There would be uh, furniture, memorabilia, experiences, might paint the walls like posters. Who's got baggage in their room? Uh, yeah, we've all got baggage in our room. But who we are, our, our room is moulded to who we are. That's our room. Can you imagine what your room would look like? Think about it. Think about your life. This is your room. And this is who you are. Now God's done this. He's put a window in every room. See, the room is us inward. The window helps us to look outward. Now, if you look out the window, what don't you see? What don't you see? Sorry? You don't see the stuff inside. You don't see your room. You with me? So if you're looking out, if you're journeying with God, your eyes are focused on that, you're not looking at your room. There's a reason why society today is so self-centered. They've covered that window with drapes or boxes or so much of the stuff about me. When God, he wants you to look at you. He wants you to take a look at your room. But the greatest power in your room being addressed is by looking at where God wants you to be. He wants you to be looking out that window. And God has a knack of doing some house cleaning when you do that. So as you focus outside on the path that he has for you, you might not realize this, but he's in the background doing a bit of sweeping. Which for some of us control freaks might actually be worse. I don't want God cleaning my room up. But we know when healing comes, it's when some of those boxes are put away.
and that room is cleaned up. Some of those posters that mark our experiences are taken down and rolled up so they don't flash in our faces every time. So as we look outside, as we follow his path, that's going to bring about change inwardly. That's why the Bible talks so much about journey and walking and taking steps and moving forward. It's not to forget the past, it's to keep focused on who God wants you to become. You with me on that? Patience begins with trust. Patience is understanding direction. Patience also involves listening. Listening. Psalm 40, 6 to 8. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come, as is written about me in the Scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. There's a a famous violinist, Norwegian guy, Oli Ole Bull, I think his name was. Very famous. If you don't know about him, you need to look him up. He's given me the look. Exceptionally famous. In fact, I believe he was the one that wrote the Norwegian national anthem. Um, He was so popular with his violin. Um, I think one commentator described him as he had a chorus of angels in his violin. Uh, Apparently that brilliant. This was about 150 odd years ago. He had a good friend named Leif Erikson who was a scientist quite well known for his inventions in, in Norway. And Leif hated music. He didn't have an ear for it. He was tone deaf, didn't want to have anything to do with music. And his best friend was considered by Norway as their best musician ever, even to this day. But he never wanted to go to any of his concerts, even though his friend would give him free passes to go see him, try to encourage him there. Nothing. He never wanted to go. Do you know how Ole got his friend to hear him? He showed up to his office, which apparently was in this worn-out factory on the outskirts of Oslo, where he had all these men running around, and he showed up with just his violin, and he walked right up to Leif, and just started to play. Leif had never heard anything so beautiful in his life. Burst out into tears and was converted. For a man who insisted he didn't like music, for a man who insisted he didn't have an ear for it, Ole had to go meet him where he was at. And when he did, he played and it converted him. Blew him away. Sometimes when it comes to listening, we have a way of listening. You know, we've got our ears tuned. You know, for those of you who've got cell phones, it's incredible how you pick up the sound of that cell phone, don't you? You've got your ringtone. And if somebody else has got the same ringtone as yours, what is your initial reaction? You, you, oh, change it. Somebody said, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yes, change it. But sometimes if you're in a crowd of people and you hear that same ringtone, you go straight for your phone. Oh, is that me? Is that me? You know, we have our ears tuned to certain sounds. When the phone rings at home, 
you know what? I could be in the shower. I could be listening to loud music, but somehow the noise of that phone will penetrate. I'm so attuned to it. Um, you know, it, it's incredible how that works. I've had people, oh, so many people over the years tell me, Rob, I can't hear God. He doesn't speak to me. Rob, I don't, why doesn't God talk to me? I don't hear him. I've had so many people over the years tell me that. And, you know, I've, I've always responded by saying, well, you just got to listen better. <laughs> and I realized over time that's not a really good response. You know, the best way to hear God is to get to know God. I know my wife, Monica, so well that when I answer the phone, I don't need to look at the screen to see it's her. Her first word that comes out, I know it's her. I'm so attuned to her voice. She could have a really bad cold or half lost her voice. I'll still know it's her. In fact, I know her so well now, she doesn't even have to open her mouth. I could walk into the house and I know exactly what the mood is in the house. I'm so in tune with it. But that doesn't come after a week of being with her. Nor is it after two weeks of being with her or even a year of being with her. That's come after 19 years of marriage, two years on top of that of dating, 21 years in all of being with her that I've gotten to that point. So that when she calls, I know it's her. It's the same in our relationship with God. It's the same in that relationship with God. You know, here it is. It's not just listen, but it's for your instructions are written on my heart. How do I know that? I've got to get to know God. And so it takes time. And taking time in investing in knowing Him, then you know what? Out of all the noises that are going on around you, the phones and the friends and the wife or the husband or the kids or all this and that, you will be able to hear God's voice because you're attuned to him. Because it clicks, that's God. It's really difficult for those of us who are Christians for years and have known God. We can, you get to know God so well that you all of a sudden start to hear him and see him everywhere. It just it kind of clicks. And when people come to you and say, hey, I've got this word from God, you can completely quick. No, that, that doesn't sound like the God I know. Now, it's taken me 21 years to get to know my wife the way I know her today. It may take you that long to get to know God. You know, Moses was 80 years old before he first heard God. Do you know that? He spent 40 years in, in, in Egypt another 40 years out in the desert, at 80 years of age, he finally hears God. People. Now, for some of us, we might pick it up right away. We can click into that written on my heart. It's, it's there. But it's a journey. It's an experience. That's what life is about, to get to know God better. Your life is not about the things you have. It's not about the jobs that you flourish in or the friendships you develop. Yeah, that's all good parts of life. 
Uh, they are. But your primary purpose here on life is to get to know God. And that through everything that happens in your life, these are experiences to help you to get to know God better. He doesn't give you a Bible for you to just kind of put on your mantelpiece to enjoy every once in a while. If you want to really need to know God, he's, he's given you a manual. I wish they gave me a manual on my wife when I got married. I wouldn't have made so many stuff-ups over the years. My goodness, it would have made life so much easier. Well, yeah, guys don't read the manual anyway. I've got to... <laughs> we've got this (laughs) yeah right (laughs) she's got a point (laughs) you know God has laid it out before us you have no excuse not to get to know him it's not ethereal it's it's not something that's just kind of out there in the ethos he's given you a word it's concrete it's black and white maybe hard to understand It, it may be hard you know, to pick up some of the things that are written in there. But we've got some pretty pretty clued in people in this church that can help you. And even those who are those of us who are clued in, we, we need help sometimes too. <laughs> but you've got look around, you've got people here who are who are pretty clued in and they can help you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Ah, we're getting a different feel for patience this morning. I hope we are. I hope you're getting, because patience can really seem like an ugly thing. And when you read it in the Bible, be patient. That's just the last thing we want to hear sometimes. But there's so much more to patience. It begins with trust. It's understanding the direction, the the place where God's taking you on, the journey that he has you on. It involves listening. And finally, it's the foundation for faith. It's the foundation of of, of our belief. Get this and, and see if anyone can see a discrepancy in this. You know, the first verse in Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And this is the last verse in Psalm 40. Anyone see a discrepancy with that? Huh? He is still a human being, right? Who can say an amen to that? Huh? I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and oh my God, do not delay. That's literally the beginning and ending. I hated my life. I hated it. I was stuck. I'd done something absolutely stupid and horrible. I was paying for it, and I saw no way out. Christmas was coming, and this would have been my first ever Christmas without my family, without mum, my sisters. I felt like a failure. I felt lonely. I felt stupid. And then something happened. So I sat in that cell someone actually took an interest in me. And then they realized that something was wrong. That I should never have done military service to begin with. And all of a sudden, what? 
So I shouldn't be in here. Well, you shouldn't have beat up your commanding officer, but you shouldn't have been there to begin with. And all of a sudden, something that looked relatively dire was cleared. Two days before Christmas, I was sent home on a break, told to report the first week back after New Year's. I reported back January, I think, 10th, 1992. I came back to the compound in Perugia. I stayed there two nights as they reviewed my paperwork, had a hearing. The military judge sent me home again. January 12th, I arrive home, and that night I met this girl named Monica. A month ago, I was lounging, I was falling apart in a prison cell. A month later, I meet my wife. I'm out of jail. It's not held against me. And my life has completely changed. Did I have anything to do with that? Did I, was my strength involved in making that change? Did I have any power in being able to, to change my circumstance? None at all. I waited patiently. Didn't know who the Lord was at the time, but I'm absolutely certain he already had me on that path. But I can tell you one thing, my God, don't delay. Because the very same words would have been coming out of my mouth. What do I do? So it's okay. Patience is something we will always struggle with. Patience is something that will kind of go ebbs and flows. We will struggle one day and other days we'll be comfortable in it. But you know what? The things that we need to work on are those four things. We need to learn to trust God. We need to understand the direction that he's got us on. What is our journey? Where, has he, where is he taking us? And then it involves listening. Hear God. Learn to hear about him. It's not something that comes natural to you. Why? Because there's so much else going around in life that take you away from God. Get into the Bible. Learn who God is. And last of all, have faith. Faith that God will come through. January 12th, 1992, I met my wife. Didn't think of it at the time. Out of the ashes, God makes all things new. Trust him. Have the patience to trust him. Ask our worship team to come up. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, Uh, it's easy to say, Lord, we've got give us patience. Um, sometimes I don't think I don't even think I want to pray that prayer. Patience is not something we want it now, Lord. And as that psalm we read, David at the beginning, just I waited patiently, and at the end, just please hurry. And that's our hearts, Lord. We're torn sometimes. We're torn between wanting to be patient and knowing that you have things in your hands, but Lord, just praying that you would hurry. And there are some of us here today, Lord, that are just praying that prayer right now. Please, Lord, hurry. And I do ask that you do please hurry, Lord. For some of us, it's seeking help, looking for an answer, seeking healing. 
seeking guidance. For some of us, we've, we've just read those four points. They lack trust, Lord. They just need you to help them. Give them the strength to trust. And for some of us, it's, it's direction. You know, it's all good and well, Rob. You're telling me where to go and, and follow God's direction. But Lord, sometimes people don't know what that direction is. Pray, Lord, that you guide them in that. That you reveal to them where you want them to be. Some of us are already there, but maybe it's listening that we really have a hard time with. There's so much going on in this life, we can lose it and not hear you, Lord. There is a lot of noise in this life. But Father, help us to hear you, to hear your still voice. And for those of us who struggle, maybe even reading the Bible daily and wanting to get to know you better, give us, well, give us the patience through listening. And help us, Lord. You say if we just have faith as small as a mustard seed, man, we could change this world. Help us to have even just that little bit of faith. I pray for my people this morning, Lord. I pray for their hearts, for you, Lord. I pray that through all that is going on in their lives, that you may be present, but not just present, that you may be powerful, that you may be loud and clear in their lives. May you be a soothing, balm, Uh, May you heal and guide, and may you strengthen those who need your strength. Gracious Lord God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord.